Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I strongly believe that it is possible to have a long and happy and fulfilling career as a private school leader. And my passion is to help you figure out exactly how to do just that right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. So sometimes I think we use technology and we never really stop to think about how something actually works. I know I don't think about it very much. You probably know how a microwave oven works. The microwaves cause the water molecules in the, fu- in the food to vibrate and that causes friction and then the friction heats your food. So I'm just going to assume that everyone knew that. I'll be honest, I just learned that recently. But what about Wi-Fi? How does that work? Or electricity? Or the internet? Or for that matter, we don't use fax machines much anymore, but how in the world does a fax machine work? So in my opinion, one of the coolest inventions in the world is GPS, Global Positioning System. And I'm old enough to remember using an actual map that would fold up and you would put it in the glove compartment of your car, or I'd have my dad write out directions by hand and go this far and then turn onto this road. And then I graduated in the 90s to MapQuest and I would print out pages and pages and pages of directions. And then I can remember driving to somewhere maybe on vacation and my wife sitting next to me just reading off the reading off the directions but now with GPS I can have someone tell me exactly where to go and I can even choose a British accent if I want to because um, we just maybe a person with a British accent sounds a little bit smarter Um, so with all this technology and with all the satellites circling the earth that know exactly where I am, where my phone is, and know that my car needs to turn in 500 feet, with all that technology, GPS is actually worthless without one crucial piece of information. And that piece of information is my destination. Because with all the technology, That GPS, at least for now, can't read my mind and know where I want to go. And so I must type in my destination to even get one turn told to me, turn right or turn left out of this parking lot. I have to type in the destination. And I think as private school leaders, we spend so much time driving that we don't think about the destination. And so what I mean is that we spend so much time running our schools, the day-to-day to to get the school year started and then to evaluate the teachers and to deal with the parents and make sure that everyone has what they need and the books and the sports and just everything. We just spend so much time driving, we don't think about where we're going. And so I want to pause today and get you to think about your portrait of a graduate. And portrait of a graduate is something that um, some people, you may have heard it as a profile of a graduate or ideal graduate outcomes, but at our school we call it portrait of a graduate. And I want to get you thinking about that. And on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, I'm actually going to help you get crystal clear 
on your destination and your portrait of a graduate. And then I'm going to help you reverse engineer that destination and have it impact everything that you do at your school. So in other words, those graduate outcomes, that portrait of a graduate, that, that idealized person when they get that diploma at your school, I'm going to help you get clear on that and then help you reverse engineer that so that your practice in all of your grades leading up to that grade informs and leads to that ideal graduate. But before we get into today's topic, I would like to give you a free gift to just say thank you for listening to the podcast. And it is an 11-page PDF that's called Seven Steps to Having Successful Meetings with Upset Parents. So as private school leaders, sometimes we have to meet with parents and sometimes they're upset. And I think that sometimes part of our problem is, is that we don't have a plan. Because every good coach has a game plan, every good teacher has a lesson plan. Well, I have come up with seven steps to a plan that will help you when you sit down with that upset parent. And you can get this free guide at theprivateschoolleader.com slash meeting. And hopefully it will help you feel more confident and it'll be less stressed when you meet with an upset parent. And to get this guide, the seven steps to having successful meetings with upset parents, just go over to theprivateschoolleader.com slash meeting. And just a little way for me to say thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to listen to this episode. So on today's episode, we're going to do several things. We're going to define portrait of a graduate. We're going to describe the portrait of a graduate at my school. I'm going to describe that for you. I'm going to explain how at my school we intentionally reverse engineer the portrait of a graduate and how that informs everything that we do. And so those two things will be the example, but then I'll make it a little more broad and then help you get clear. What are the steps that you can do to get clear on your portrait of a graduate? And then also what can you do to reverse engineer that destination? So I want you again to zoom out and think about it this way. You're driving, you're driving your school forward. What's the destination? And so if you think about it in terms of all of the things that you want in that graduate, then that's the destination. And we're going to work our ways backwards to do some intentional things to make sure that we get there. So let's start by um, giving a, I want to give a little disclaimer. So first of all, some of you already have a crystal clear portrait of your ideal graduate, your profile of a graduate, your ideal graduate outcomes. And so some of you are already really clear on this. And some of you are already very intentional about working towards this destination. So I get that. And hopefully you will still get a couple of nuggets from this, from this episode. But I think that it's more likely that many of us could use more clarity surrounding the ideal graduate. And then also, especially, what are we doing that is actually going to produce that graduate? Does it just happen by accident? And we hope so. And we're pretty happy with those outcomes. Or are we doing things to make sure that that happens most of the time? So I, again, I just want to give a disclaimer that many of you maybe are already clear on this, but I think we can always get more clear. And for those of you that this is something that you have had on your list of good intentions, we're going to get really tactical today. So a portrait of a graduate represents a school's vision 
for 21st century skills, character traits, social emotional competencies that students need to succeed in high school or college or in life. And so when you describe the portrait of when I describe excuse me, when I describe the portrait of a graduate at my school, what I do is I use vivid language and I'll just kind of run it through for you how I talk about it. So I've mentioned this once before on the podcast, but I'm going to hit you with this again. So when I talk to parents, especially when I talk to third grade parents, when I talk to fifth grade parents, our school goes up to eighth grade. And so we're getting them ready for the world, but we're really getting them ready for freshman year of high school. So I ask them to use their imagination. So let's pretend I'm sitting with a fifth grade parent talking about middle school. So I say, okay, I want you to imagine your child up there on the stage in the gym getting their diploma on graduation day at the end of their eighth grade year. And so they pa- I pause and they are vision- envisioning that. And then I say, okay, <clears throat> in one hand, they have their diploma. And in the other hand, they have a little suitcase. And they have four skills that travel well to high school. And then I talk about what it means to travel well. And I talk about how, you know, at our school, we don't want to have kids memorize facts that they regurgitate for a test and then immediately forget. We want skills that will travel well to high school. And that means that they will be skills that will help them be successful no matter where they go. And so I tell them that there are four skills in this little suitcase. One is when when your child graduates on the last day of eighth grade, they are going to be an independent learner. Number two, a critical thinking problem solver. Number three, an organized time manager. And number four, a menchi leader. So the word mensch means a person of integrity. And so let's just say a leader with integrity or an upstander. So they're going to have those four skills. And I want you to think about this for a minute. If your school goes up to eighth grade, or if you can imagine for a moment, if you have a high school, if your school only went up to eighth grade, I want you to think about a 14-year-old. And if they have these four skills, are they going to be successful at pretty much any high school they go to? Be an independent learner, be a critical thinking problem solver, be an organized time manager, and be a leader and upstander with integrity? And the answer is yes, they're going to be successful. And so then the next thing I do is I describe anecdotally that when our graduates leave, what we hear from the high schools in our city about our kids. And so we typically hear four things. We hear that they're outstanding writers. We hear that they can look an adult in the eye and have a conversation instead of just mumbling into their phone over in the corner. Number three, they're typically overprepared academically for freshman year. And they are also upstanders or, even better, social justice warriors. And so I'll come back to some of these things when I talk about how we reverse engineer that and the intentional things that we do, because I'll break it down one by one. And again, remember, zoom out for a second. What we're doing here is trying to give you a sense of how this is going to help you, I'm starting small and then getting big. So starting small by explaining specifically what I describe about a portrait of a graduate at my school, how we reverse engineer that, and then we'll make it big and then help you have some strategies so that you can do that at your school. Another thing that I like to do, and this is more of a retention 
thing for the fifth grade parents is, is that I just tell them, look, go out into the community and talk to any of our graduates from our school and or talk to their parents and just ask them if those kids, um, when they went to high school, if they had those skills. And I don't know who they're going to talk to, but I'm pretty confident that they're going to have a positive conversation when they're asking those questions. So you have to believe in what you do strong enough that your finished products become your best commercial for people wanting to come or stay at your school. So let me explain how we reverse engineer the portrait of a graduate at my school. So let's start by defining reverse engineering. So I know that most of you know what that is, but let's just take a moment. The definition is examine the construction or composition of another manufacturer's product in order to create a duplicate or similar product. So the two most common examples of this would be software, where some companies are, you know, a new software comes out and they have programmers who um, study it and then they reverse engineer it and then they create their own product that's similar and then that creates competition in the marketplace as opposed to one software company having all the sales. And then another way that we have seen reverse engineering over the years is in the military. And China was very famous for this, um, especially um, during the, the Cold War. Um, but they reverse engineered. There are many examples of that when they would get um, Western, such as United States, military um, aircraft, let's say fighter aircraft or Russian aircraft, and they would be able to, and even if they captured um, what would we would know as a, a Hummer or a Humvee, that they would be able to reverse engineer and build um, vehicles and build jets. And that's where the MiG-15, the MiG-17, the MiG-19, and the MiG-21 um, that were Chinese um, fighter aircrafts basically came from captured aircraft from the West and from Russia over the years and China reverse engineered it. So you've got the idea. So it's also sometimes called backwards design or back from the future thinking or future orientation thinking. You may have heard those phrases. So if we want at my school, our eighth graders on graduation day to have those skills, then the question becomes, well, what do we do? And so I'm going to get into what we specifically do to build those four skills that I talked about. But then there's two big overarching things to keep in mind. This is what we do, but I think it's important for any school to do this as well. And the first thing is, is that we communicate to our teachers that our middle school is all about building skills and not about earning grades. And I know that that's something that, you know, parents might not really want to hear. Um, because some of them really want to focus on grades, but our teachers need to be given the permission to know that we want to build these skills, and then we articulate what those skills are and why it's important because they travel well to high school. So that's one thing is the communication piece with your teachers. The second thing is the basis of everything of these four skills is to develop a growth mindset. And um, I did an episode um, early on, I think it was episode two or three, about growth mindset and how to implement it at your school. And so really what everything that we do 
is the basis is is that we want our students to have a growth mindset um, throughout the school um, the school experience and especially in middle school and then that really helps these four skills blossom so let me talk about these four skills and exactly what we do to make sure that they grow in these specific areas okay so the first is independent learner and we teach our students in middle school that your stuff is your stuff your stuff is your responsibility so if you want an extension you talk to the teacher if you want to switch clubs well here's your drop ad slip so for an example just the other day i had two sixth grade girls that came to me and they wanted to drop a club and switch to another club and i'm like okay here's your drop ad slip you go get the teacher's signature that you're dropping their club and then you get the signature of the teacher that you're joining their club and they looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to do that. She's going to feel bad if I drop her club. And I'm like, well, do you want to switch or not? And I'm not going to go do it for them. That's not teaching them to be independent. So um, another thing that we do is sometimes during advisory, um, we'll have teacher-student conferences. And they will you know, meet with the teacher and go over things like that. Our advisory program has a lot to do with this independent learner piece. But really, just even starting first trimester of sixth grade, we kind of go easy on them a little bit. But really, after that, it's all about making sure that they're responsible for their stuff, that their parents aren't swooping in, the teachers aren't swooping in to fix it. We really grow that independent learner skill. And that's how we do it intentionally. Um, number two, critical thinking problem solver. So when I talk to those fifth grade parents, I'm also saying, okay, where do you think your child is on that continuum of over here on this end is concrete literal thinker and over here is the abstract critical thinker. So concrete literal on one end, abstract critical thinker, open-ended on the other end. And usually the fifth grade parents say kind of somewhere in the middle and I explain to them how everything that we do is intended to build or to move them from concrete literal to abstract critical thinker. And then I give them an example or more than one example. And so let me give you an example. So, you know, I'll say something like we don't want them to memorize facts and regurgitate them on a test um, and then forget them the next day. And so I, I tell them about um, something yeah, that I saw in social studies class. So, for example, um, I'll say, well, I walked in and the social studies teacher, um, all the kids were standing up around the classroom and there was this long piece of twine and it was crisscrossing all over the room and each student had um, a hold of it in both hands at one in one piece in each hand a little corner of the twine and so it's all connected and so then the social studies teacher pointed to one person and said okay pull on the twine and then he said well who felt that and so then some a couple maybe three kids across the room raised their hand because they felt that and what he was teaching them was about uh, treaties and armistices um, before World War I, where some countries would go to war with each other when they weren't even mad at each other, when they weren't even angry at each other, because of the treaties that they had with countries who did go to war with that country. And so my point is, is that that was something that was very memorable and memorable um, things sink sink in and that engaging teaching and those open-ended questions and things like that or what he could have done is lectured on treaties pre-world war one 
and had kids take notes and then give a test. Um, so we give examples like that, but really it's less about the examples and more about the action of actually viewing everything through the lens of what can we do to increase their critical thinking, problem-solving skills. And then the third thing that I mentioned was be an organized time manager. So what do we intentionally do about that? So for example, um, we have a study skills class in sixth grade, and then we are very intentional in advisory and other places to build in a lot of executive function um, skills. Um, one of the things that we do with all of our students, sixth, seventh, and eighth, is, is that with their assignment pad, they have to write down their homework. If they have no homework, they write no homework. And then everyone has to pull it out um, at the end of class with a couple minutes left in class. And then the teachers go around and they have these little um, stamps, little ink stamps, and then they stamp it. Um, and, you know, A, some of you might do that already. B, some of you might be thinking, eh, maybe 7th and 8th graders are a little old for that kind of stuff. And trust me, the 7th and 8th graders at our school think they're too old for that. But we've got a reliable system, a reliable way for the parents to know what they have for homework, for the students to always know what they have for homework. And it's just a um, thing that we've decided that they're all going to do. And it's a procedure. And, you know, I did another episode on why procedures and routines are um, the way to have excellent classroom management um, school-wide. And um, this is a procedure and a routine that we rehearse with our students, and it builds executive function skills. And then another way to do that with organized time management is, is lots of long-term projects um, and deadlines and just monitoring that and managing that with your, you know, be it with yourself or with partners. And then the last thing I mentioned is uh, an upstander, a leader of integrity. And so what we do is we have, we put them in constant um, positions for leadership. And so um, we have a tribe system, which is kind of like a house system at our school. We, with the 12 tribes of Israel, we have 12 groups in our school with um, three-year-olds up through eighth graders um, in a tribe. It works out to be about 25 people, 25 kids, and then a few adults. And so logically, those middle school students, even if they're not quote-unquote leaders or see themselves as leaders, when they're in the tribe room, they become leaders. And that's an advantage to a house system or tribes, um, different things like that are becoming more popular in our private schools. And those cross-grade interactions really put those older students into those leadership um, situations. And so we also have student council and no place for hate and tefila or prayer council and gender sexuality alliance. And we, with the integrity and upstander part, we take MLK day on, we don't take MLK day off. So we are at school on MLK day, but it's a day of special programming and community service. We have a community service requirement, um, different number of hours for each of our middle school grades. Um, we have very intentional social justice education and Holocaust education. Um, a lot of that lives in our advisory program, but it also lives in other places so that they develop that leadership um, quality, but they also develop that upstander, social justice warrior, person of integrity um, muscles as well. And so those four things um, that I mentioned, those four things that we say is a portrait of a graduate at our school an independent learner, a critical thinking problem solver, an organized time manager, and an upstanding leader of integrity, 
we can deliver on those things because we're intentionally working on making sure that those happen in our classes. And so then the question becomes, how can you get clear on the portrait of a graduate at your school? So there's a few things, and these will be in the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 50. So you can kind of just listen and those will be there for you. But the first step is to review your school's mission and vision. You want to make sure that your portrait of a graduate aligns with what you say, because really our mission and our vision statements are aspirational. And if you can kind of like think through, okay, well, this is what we decided that we want our school to be. This is the definition of success. If we're checking these boxes, then there's going to be the Venn diagram is going to overlap quite a bit with your school's mission and vision and your ideal graduate outcomes or your portrait of a graduate. And then after you've done that, what you want to do is gather input from your stakeholders. So that would be students, um, leaders at the school, teachers, parents, graduates, people in your school community. And to whether it's in a survey, whether it's in a focus group, um, however you want to do it is to just start to form that portrait of a graduate. What is that idealized version? Where, how will they be the most successful to complete your mission and vision because that's really what you want is for these people to these young people to go out into the world and do blank okay your, your school delivers that what what that answer is to filling in the blank is different for every school and the way that you get there is different for every school some are faith-based some are not some are you know lean really into um stem and some it's a part of what you do um there, there's all different ways to get there but you have to decide how your school is going to get there. So you gather input from your stakeholders. And then maybe you've made um, a little team or committee that's going to work on this. And so then the next step would be to identify essential skills and character traits. And so they might include critical thinking or communication. And for example, you know, I mentioned before that anecdotally, we hear that our students know how to look an adult in the eye and have a conversation with them instead of um, mumbling into their phone in the corner. Well, that's something that we, that doesn't just happen. It's something that we do very intentionally. Um, some of it is that independent learner part where they have to talk to their teachers and they have to talk to their advisor once a cycle. They have a one-on-one -on -one meeting during study hall with their advisor. And so there's repetition there, but also from a communication standpoint, our kids are presenting all the time. Um, one of our social studies teachers, he um, shows uh, death by PowerPoint uh, TED Talk at the beginning of the year and then holds students accountable for the things that are mentioned in the TED Talk. Um, they're presenting all the time. By the time they get to eighth grade graduation day, they've presented so many times in front of the class. And so we know that the fear of public speaking is only, it actually is um, number one and fear of death is number two. Um, and so, you know, whether they're 14 years old going to be freshmen in high school or whether they're going off to college, um, especially since COVID, kids are, in my opinion, more and more likely and inclined to be closed down into their devices and technology and not opened up to those more human interactions with eye contact and communication, especially with adults. And so that's an essential skill, in my opinion, to be successful in the world. And so what is your school doing to 
make sure that that happens. So that's just one example. So you're going to identify essential skills and character traits. And then you're going to make sure that you also include social and emotional readiness and, and soft skills such as emotional intelligence and leadership and ethical behavior and um, showing empathy, um, social justice, upstander, things of that nature. And then, um, in my opinion, one of the other things that you want to do is over-prepare them for what's next. And so I always, I mentioned this before that anecdotally we hear that our students are over-prepared academically for freshman year. And we do that on purpose because no matter where they go, the school, the high school they go to is going to be bigger than this, than our school. And so what we like to do is to over-prepare them academically so that they can manage their academics without it being super stressful freshman year so that they have emotional bandwidth to deal with the social adjustments that are going to happen with making new friends and trying out new things and a bigger school. And so whether what's next is high school or whether what's next is freshman year of college or some other military service or a gap year, whatever it might be, we want to over-prepare them for what's next. And so that's how you get clear on just starting to put things down on paper, portrait of a graduate. And then I want to help you reverse engineer that destination. So this all started with me talking about GPS and putting in the destination to make sure you know where you're going. Well, if you create a portrait of a graduate, your ideal graduate, your ideal graduate outcomes, um, whatever you want to call it, well, then <clears throat> at your school, how do you reverse engineer that? Well, number one is you got to be intentional. None of this happens by accident. And you've got to be intentional with everything that you do, that you're doing it on purpose, and that you're doing this, 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 and this to make sure that that happens with this graduate. You're doing this, this, and this to make sure that this skill is built with the graduate. And you're being very intentional about making sure that these things happen. And that's why it's probably better with the portrait of a graduate to have things that are a little more definable, tactical, measurable than to have things that are like really vague and flowery and, you know, maybe harder to show. Um, but that's just a sidebar. So number one, be intentional. Number two, communicate expectations. So share the graduate outcomes portrait, uh, the portrait of a graduate or the outcomes that you want your graduates to have. Share them with all your stakeholders, and then you can foster a shared understanding and a commitment to achieving those goals. But you want to communicate the why behind it, because some teachers, especially teachers that have been doing things one way for a long time, they're not necessarily going to be bought in unless you can really communicate this well. Um, because for some teachers, it's all about the grades and all about the content and the curriculum and sort of like getting through the book. Um, but there's, it, it's really more than that. It's about knowledge, but it's also about skills. And so you have to communicate that effectively to your stakeholders, to your team, especially to your teachers and to the students as well. And then number three, you're going to monitor and evaluate progress. So regularly assess students' progress towards these outcomes through assessments and surveys and observation and anecdotal data, and then adjust your programming and your advisory and your curriculum and your practice accordingly, but you have to evaluate the progress. And then number four, you have to support it. And what I mean by that is, is that this might, this might cost money. It might mean that you have to 
buy a study skills curriculum or you have to invest in training for some of your teachers to be better advisors or um, whatever it might be. Um, I would recommend that those resources get poured into people and things that are already at your school. Um, I'm not a big fan of bringing in outside speakers or outside organizations to, you know, be there and drop some knowledge and then peace out. Um, but to provide resources, um, extracurricular activities cost money. You know, a sports program isn't cheap. Uh, uh, putting on a spring musical is not inexpensive. So support services that can help students develop the skills and the values that are outlined in that. Maybe you have to organize those community service projects where they you pay for a bus and they all go and they do the thing. So it, it's not free um, to create your portrait of a graduate. Um, now, there are lots of it that are going to happen during the regular course of the day and will fall under the resources that you're already investing with teacher salaries and facilities and programming. But there's going to be more to it if you really want that aspirational, ideal portrait of a graduate with those ideal outcomes. And then number five, review and adapt. So periodically review, update the graduate outcomes portrait that you're looking for. Ensure it remains relevant because, <laughs> you know, uh, Five years from now with how technology and society changes, five years in the past, you know, it's things are changing constantly in the world. And so we need to constantly make sure and review that our ideal graduate is ready for the world um, that they're going out into. Um, and we can't just dust this off every 10 years and think that it's going to work. We have to review and adapt. So let's just hit real quickly the big takeaways from the, today's episode. First of all, you define the portrait of a graduate. That's a portrait of a graduate is a school's vision for skills, character traits, and social-emotional competencies that students need to succeed in what's next, whether it's high school or college. And then I described the portrait of a graduate at my school, and I talked about those four skills that are in that little suitcase that they have in one hand and have the diploma in the other hand. And then I explained how we reverse engineer the portrait of a graduate at my school. And then I tried to help you get clear on the portrait of, the portrait of a graduate at your school, and how do you do that? You um, do that by reviewing the school's mission and, vis vis mission and vision, excuse me, gather input from stakeholders. Number three, identify essential skills and character traits. Number four, include social emotional readiness. And number five, over prepare them for what's next. And then finally, I talked to you about how to reverse engineer that destination of that graduate, that, those, that portrait of a graduate, those ideal outcomes. And how you reverse engineer that at your school is number one, be intentional. Number two, communicate expectations. Number three, monitor and evaluate progress. Number four, support it with enough resources. And number five, review and adapt. So I know that that's a lot, but it's something that's super important that we need to make sure that we're going somewhere and that we're not just going forward, but that we have that destination. And so my call to action, I like to give one of those every episode, is that in the next week, spend 30 minutes writing down the essential skills and characteristics of your ideal graduate. In the next week, spend 30 minutes writing down the essential skills and characteristics of your ideal graduate.
And if you're already all squared away with a portrait of a graduate, maybe this is a good time to dust it off and review it a little bit. But if this is something that maybe your school needs to more, be more intentional about, I would challenge you to take 30 minutes in the next week to give it attention about the skills and character traits that you want to see from your students the day that they receive that diploma. So let's wrap it up. Um, I have another free resource for you, and it's called The Six Ways to Protect Your School from a Lawsuit. And it's a 10-page PDF that will help keep your staff and students stay safe and help keep you out of court. And it's available to you over at theprivateschoolleader.com slash lawsuit as just a way of me saying thanks for listening. You can send me an email. I'd love to hear from you at mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And one more time, the show notes are available at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 50. A new episode comes out every week. And wherever you get your podcasts, I'd really appreciate it if you would review and rate the podcast so that the algorithm pushes it out to leaders all over the world. And I'm on Instagram at the private school leader, on Twitter at the PS leader. And this is the big one. If you got value from this episode, please, please, please share this podcast with another leader or an aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. It's a privilege to spend this time with you each week. And I just want to say how much I appreciate all the hard work that you're doing at your school for the lucky kids and teachers that you serve. Thank you so much for taking some of your precious time to join me here today. And I will see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.